Hello, I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so you you have righted a wrong on this podcast, Julie, because uh, we have been, what, 309, 308 episodes (laughs) so far without a Jane Austen. And uh, you took care of that this week. I can't believe it. I I could not believe it. But <laughs> yes, what finally. were we thinking? You bet. I don't, right? Yeah, and you chose of uh, what has she written six or something? You mm-hmm. chose Persuasion, uh, which is the last book she wrote. Yes, and is your favorite. I understand. Well, I have to admit, my favorite tends to be the one I'm reading at the moment. It's ah, kind of like the Gospels good. that way, mm-hmm. you know. Sure, but um. But I do love this book. It's so different from her others in several ways. And um, it's just got a different feel. I did think it had a different feel. I've only read one other, um, Pride mm-hmm. and Prejudice. Yeah. And um, liked it a lot. Thought it was very funny in parts. Mm-hmm. I found this one not as funny. Um, it was definitely compelling, though. Um, I was moving forward through it uh, fairly easily and, and wondering what was going to happen, although I had hopes. Well, <laughs> I couldn't not have hopes, and uh, <laughs> luckily uh, my hopes were fulfilled. So That's the great thing about Jane Austen. She lets you know who the romantic couples are, and you know who to root for, even when all the obstacles in the way look insurmountable. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, oh, come on, man. Right. Come on, Captain Wentworth. <laughs> Get in there, man. <laughs> you don't, don't get up from the piano because Anne's coming over. Stay. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So, That's yeah. Right. So, with that said, I think, you know, I said it was less funny but still compelling. But I also found that there was an undercurrent of this deeper thing that felt deeper than Pride and Prejudice. Although she did have some of that in Pride and Prejudice because she was talking about Pride and Prejudice, right? Mm-hmm. But here in, you know, Persuasion, she's talking about Persuasion and... Um, once you kind of look at it that way, it's, it's everywhere and it is, it is a really deep undercurrent. I think she's, uh, it just felt a little deeper than Pride and Prejudice to me. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, people will comment on that a lot. A lot of people love this book because it's her most mature book and some will say it's a bit rough, but that's because she didn't have a chance to rewrite it or anything as Mm. she might have. Some of her other books were, you know, she'd go through two or three times at least. And this one, she died. She finished it, she died, and then her family sent it to the publisher. Wow. And named it even. Oh, really? They didn't? Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, she was going to call it Mr. Elliot, Hmm. which I find very interesting. Yeah. But obviously, persuasion is a huge theme throughout And um, it's also more, as you're saying, it's a little more melancholy. It starts in the fall, not Mm. in the spring. It ends in the spring. So we're going from, you know, uh, at one point in the book, it's talking about, oh, the beauty of autumn. Mm. But there's still that undercurrent of, you know, things are dying. (laughs) And and that echoes Anne, who is, you know, definitely on the shelf. She's 27, never married, turned down um, while she was in love with somebody 
and promised to marry him and then was persuaded by a well-meaning guardian to turn him down because he was an unproven Navy man. And that's fair and had no money and everything. And, um, and listened Hmm. instead of going with her heart. And the interesting thing is she also broke the young man's heart. Right. Yeah. And boy, was he mad at her. (laughs) I liked that about him. He was really furious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was good. Um, but yeah, so you, you said, um, which was like you approved the, uh, Lady Russell's persuasion. Um, you said, Uh, you said it was, it was right because he hadn't been proven. Well, I don't necessarily approve myself of it. Mm -hmm. When you see as the book goes along and Anne is, um, meeting some of Captain Wentworth's friends and going, if we'd have been married, these would have been my friends, you know, Mm. and um, things like that. But when you look at it from Lady Russell's point of view, now the author does tell us, the narrator tells us she thinks too much of position. Hmm. And therefore, that was influencing her. But Anne was 19, and her dearest friend, this Lady Russell's dearest friend, had been Anne's mother. And let's face it, Anne's the only decent one out of the entire family, you know. <laughs> and she's most like her mother. And so Lady Russell was trying to do a good job and give her good advice. And if you have a young woman who wants to marry somebody who has no fortune, no title, no accomplishments, you're going to warn them maybe they should wait a while, at least. Mm. Don't you think? Well, I guess. It, it's, like, it's like rolling the dice, I guess. But you're like, oh, this this person, I you know, don't we ask, isn't that what happens in society right now all the time? I mean, if you get married young, mm-hmm. um, and young being, let's say, by 25, you know, right. you're, you're marrying someone on potential, aren't you? You're like, oh yeah, I love this person, and I I think we're going to have a good life together. You know, right? But look at how many marriages are arranged during this book mm. of people who are younger than Anne, for one thing, because she is kind of old for not being married. But and people are having to overcome the idea of this guy doesn't have a title, but you know his family's well off. Mm. Mm-hmm. This guy. Um, has uh, a title, but he seems pretty shady. <laughs> you know, he he says all the right things, but it doesn't feel sincere. So they're continually trying to gauge how should these matches work. And there's all kinds of people who are, are being shallow. You know, oh, he seems very nice and he seems to have money. Probably should marry him. And so Lady Russell is in that sense no worse than anyone else. And if she's trying to take really good care of Anne, I can see her saying, you know, you're so pretty. You're still young. Somebody better will come along. Hmm. And Anne is not a very forceful personality. You know, Anne's more like, oh, well, you haven't read the other ones. There's a character in Mansfield Park, the heroine, is also very meek and humble. And she gets pushed around all the time. Hmm. And so, although older, Anne is that sort of a person. She has, as we see the book go on, she has tons of common sense. When it's an emergency, she'll speak up. She mm. knows how to act. She and gives she was good looked advice. At, looked at that way too. Yeah. People looked at her and said, "What do we do?" <laughs> and she said, "Well, yeah. yep, I would good stuff. do this, mm-hmm. right?" And so, but she probably didn't have that much confidence to do that at nineteen. Mm. You know, yeah. that's also something yeah. she had to learn through 
living and being pushed around by her other relatives and everything. Right. Yeah, um, so I, I can only compare her to Elizabeth Bennet. Mm-hmm. And oh, she's well. not she's not Elizabeth Bennet, right? Elizabeth no. Bennet was very strong. I think maybe in Pride and Prejudice, she is more like Elizabeth's good friend who winds up marrying is it Mr. Collins? Mm, yeah, I do. Even know though she mean. doesn't love him because she's like, I need a home and a family. I want to be married. I can put up with him well enough. And when Elizabeth goes and sees her later, she's like, Oh my gosh. And she's like, No, I love my house. He's fine enough. I'm gonna, you know, have a baby, everything's great. Yeah. And but she's also not really forceful. She takes the circumstances and and kind of works with them and Anne's not as much like that, but this friend is more, um, is not Elizabeth, you know, mm-hmm. Bennett. Yeah, right. So this yeah. is, this is um, uh, Jane Austen making that kind of a character, the heroine. And unlike Mansfield Park, where Fanny is young and under a lot of other people's control, this lady is under people's control, but she's old enough to be able to kind of make a few of her decisions. Like, I don't want to go to bath with my father and sister. That just sounds awful. Okay. I'll go stay with my sister, Mary for a while. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a lot of decisions she can make, but um, you know, she's so, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that doesn't check out. No, it does check out. It's um, you know, cause I, I do see Elizabeth Bennett as a, a different personality. Um, oh yeah. Just definitely. Yeah. So, um, but Anne, I see as a, a very, um, together person. It was like, Mm -hmm. you know, of all the characters in this book, I mean, uh, well, her and Wentworth together, you know, they, they make a good match, but they Mm -hmm. seem to be above the others in, uh, anxiety level and things like that. You know, she's, Mm -hmm. she's pretty calm, you know, and, uh, and can handle stuff and, um, not everybody else can. I mean, especially some of them who, you know, a minor issue is major. <laughs> oh, I know because yeah. they're so selfish. All they think about are themselves. Yeah. And when you have somebody who all they ever think about are themselves, all the small things become big. And of course, I imagine you're talking about Mary. Oh, sure. Well, Mary, Mary, <laughs> and um, who was the other one? Um, the, the other you know, sister is Elizabeth. Yeah, but there was another. It wasn't Elizabeth. There was, although Elizabeth may have had some of those traits too. But there was one other person that was young, um, along with uh, Mary, mm. and they both got married near the end. Henrietta. Oh, that's her sister. But I think her sister. I mean, it's interesting thinking about the Musgroves because that family was in direct opposition to Anne's family, to the Elliots. The mother and father are pretty calm. They have it together. They're very cheerful. They love each other. They love the kids. The two sisters, Anne looks at them and says, those sisters get along so great. They're friends. Gosh, I wish one of my sisters could be friends with me. (laughs) But her sisters are just awful. And so she kind of watches them with this fascination. And, um... Henrietta, I know, is the one who she she had a kind of a promised fiance, not I guess maybe not official, but they had an understanding. And then Captain Wentworth comes on the scene and she's like, Oh yeah, I don't have time to come over to your house anymore right now. Sorry, I, Captain <laughs> Wentworth's gonna play a piano for us. You know? yep. And so, uh, so those guys having to step up his game, mm-hmm. which is not working. 
But once, um, is it after Louisa gets hurt, maybe, and Henrietta says, and she's Henrietta's back home, and so she's more around the guy she had been uh, interested in marrying, and she's like, oh, no, no, this, this, I, I like him. I do, yeah, I love yeah. him, it's fine. Right, right. So she dropped, so Captain Wentworth was just a, you know, interesting new guy in town. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so she was more flighty, but she wasn't, I was thinking with Mary. Mary, Mary, everything is about Mary. Yeah, and that she was the one who would swoon when a minor thing happened. Yes. It was like, I can't possibly go outside or, you know, I, I need to be on this couch, you know, that kind of stuff. And no one even came in and asked after me. Right. And no one wanted to know how my headache was. <laughs> and the sun was coming in and I couldn't even get up to close the curtains and no one ever checked on me. <laughs> right. Oh. right. Yeah, and after and her, when Louisa got hurt, you know, um, wasn't it Mary who kiboshed yeah. the whole idea of Anne sticking around? Yeah. Because she was like, how does she get to stick around? Well, it's because she knows what to do, but, you know, Mary was able to veto the whole thing. Well, Mary wanted to be more important. You're right. I'd yeah. forgotten that. Mary's like, I'll stay and help. I know all about sick people. <laughs> and Anne's like, I don't yeah. think you do. And it's, sure enough, yeah. no, she's not allowed to do anything because really it's the, is it the Hartwells? Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Harvilles. The Harvilles, right. Yeah. Yeah. That lady knows everything. And there's another... Uh, Happy marriage. Mm -hmm. Captain and Mrs. Harville. Yeah. I liked how you said uh, it was selfish. You know, they're selfish and that's why they're, they just want the attention and, um, and all that. Um, you know, that, that's something that, that we don't want to be like, <laughs> you know, right. and, and we got to remind ourselves of that sometimes. I like these extreme examples to help us learn. Um, hey, that's not a right to be, you know, and sometimes our, Minor issues seem so major, and then we we learn of other people having much more difficulty than we have. Mm-hmm. You know, and it definitely humbles you, and it ought to. It's like, oh boy, am I making a big deal out of this thing? Um, well, and it's it. it could be selfishness, but I know it's anxiety and lots lots of things. But um, why? Well, what what it, is it? Worrying won't add a single day to your life, yeah. says says the Bible, right? Yes. Yeah. Because it's got all the good stuff in it. And I say that as a person who worries. <laughs> a I, person who, who has conversations in his head before he ever has them sometimes. You know oh, what I yeah. mean? So, yeah. Join the crowd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, but the thing I was thinking, too, is there are, you know, there are a lot of single people in this and a lot of marriages that we look at. And I was thinking of the marriages and when, when you were talking about the selfish people and and how easy it is to slide into that just for anyone, you know, until you kind of are shaken out of it and go, oh, wait, my life is not that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, was, I was thinking of Tolstoy, who in Anna Karenina has that really famous line, all happy families are alike. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Mm-hmm. And for the point of view of his story, okay. But when I'm thinking about it, Every happy family is alike because these people are unselfish. Mm. And that unselfishness, the, the willing to put someone else's comfort ahead of yours, the willing to put yourself out for somebody you love or who you're caring for. Yeah, the willing to be that, happy at others' successes. Right. And, yep. and it, it has a ripple effect. You're thinking about other people. You don't have time to think about yourself and worry about yourself. I mean, you might. 
but it's also sublimated to the other things. So you're, you're not being one dimensional and the unhappy families, I would argue are all unhappy in the same way because there's always at least one supremely selfish person Hmm. whose selfishness means they're the center of attention and no one else is getting taken care of properly. And that selfishness just ripples through as more people become unhappy and act in their own way to either try to fix it or just kind of build their own unhappiness on it, you know? Mm, yeah. That's, that's and really, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying that's, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And so really well in put. the Elliot family, the father, which the beginning is so funny <laughs> because she's talking about his vanity. Oh yeah. About his title and his land and his looks. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it just cracks me up later on when Admiral <laughs> Croft is telling Anne, he says, well, I did have to move some of the mirrors out of this room that your father, I guess he was very dressy. Oh, I love it. Uh, there I love were it. so many, I got really distracted. I just kept this shaving mirror. That's all oh, I did. that's funny. I highlighted the sentence, Vanity was the beginning and the end of Sir Walter Elliot's character. Vanity of yes. person and of situation. Yep. Good stuff. Well, yeah, because when he's unhappy, needs a little cheering up, or wants to just feel better in general, he goes and reads um, the baronetage, Hmm. which lists his family and his title and everything, and um, in the county of Somerset. And it's got the history and all this stuff, and he just loves to read it. And then, as you said, he says, it says vanity is is what defines him. Hmm. And it says he had been remarkably handsome in his youth, and at 54 was still a very fine man. Few women could think more of their personal appearance than he did, nor could the valet of any new-made lord be more delighted with the place he held in society. He considered the blessing of beauty as inferior only to the blessing of a baronetcy, and the Sir Walter Elliot who united these gifts was the constant object of his warmest respect and devotion. <laughs> Very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It's just so... Mm-hmm. And his daughter Elizabeth is his oldest daughter Elizabeth is his favorite because she's just like him, <laughs> which I thought was really funny because I thought usually those people would say no I'm more important but they're both united in how important they both are. <laughs> yeah, as part of the family. That's cool. Yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah, very good. And then there's Mary who who gets attention. She's not pretty, or not as pretty. And she married somebody who's not, in their opinion, as important. So she gets all her attention by being a hypochondriac. (laughs) And everybody says, oh, Anne doesn't matter. Anne will go do this. Mm -hmm. When they go to Bath, they say, oh, well, you know, we don't want Anne. But we'll have this this widow lady, Mrs. Clay, come and stay instead. She'll be much better for going with us to the entertainments and things. (laughs) Because she's very, uh, she flatters them all the time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah, and um, so with his vanity and everything, um, they're running out of money, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, and they, they've got a house. I mean, all the houses have cool names. Um, this one started with a W. Do you remember what it's called? Uh, oh, let's yeah, see. Yeah, I've got it here. Kellnit, Kellich. Oh, Kellich yeah. Hall. It's K-E-L-L-Y-N-C-H Hall. Yeah, Kellich Hall. In Somersetshire, yeah. right? It's the very oh. first sentence, <laughs> of course, in Somersetshire. Yes. But anyway, they're running out of money, right? So uh, 
comes up with the idea of, well, maybe we need to move out of this place and sublet it, or let it, he said, rent it out, mm-hmm. and we'll move somewhere else. And that's how we can keep going, right? Well, the funny thing is watching the machinations that his friend slash accountant, I guess, and Lady Russell have to go through to persuade him that that's the best thing to do. Because <laughs> they're like, well, we should yep. be able to cut down on some stuff. And there's, oh, I couldn't cut down that much. Right. Oh, right. How would I live <laughs> without that many horses or whatever? Yeah. And then um, they're, well, you could go live some other small place in the country. Well, no. Mm-hmm. I live here. This is an important place. Yeah, and there's Lady Russell, right, who mm-hmm. who persuaded Anne out of marrying Wentworth. Um, mm-hmm. She says, if we can persuade your father to all this, said Lady Russell, looking over her paper, much may be done. If we will adopt these regulations in seven years, he will be clear. Yeah. Yeah, and I hope we can convince him, right? And what does Anne think? Um, Anne, I think Anne thinks it's a good idea, doesn't she? But she doesn't well, want to go, I mean, it's like the, the consequences of it she doesn't like very much. Yeah, and I was also thinking that because before the going to Bath thing, Bath is where they go, I yeah, think. Yeah, Bath is where she didn't want to go. Yeah. They would keep running things by her and she'd go, well, I think that's a great idea. He's And she'd be thinking, he's never going to do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. because she's got that core of common sense in her. Right, and it's it's interesting that they keep coming to Anne. You know, what do you think of this? You know, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> that's good stuff. Yeah. Well, and so you're right. We really have been jumping around because then Anne goes to live with Mary for a while and help take care of the kids, who are just spoiled rotten because uh, Mary won't bother herself to discipline them at all. Mm. <laughs> um, and you find out that Mary's husband is really kind of a nice guy. It's just he can't handle Mary. <laughs> And um, <laughs> you see, it's just funnier than I remember it. So it's, yeah. that's great. It's just like, yeah, yeah that's a, everything you're saying is absolutely right. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's right. And then mm. um, Captain Wentworth comes. There's a family nearby, the Musgroves, who I've mentioned, who they are friends with, and they'll go back and forth. And it turns out that Mrs. Is it Mrs. Muff? No. The family that rents the house, the Crofts, uh-huh, Mrs. The Cro- Crofts' <laughs> brother is Captain Wentworth. And right. that's when Anne mm-hmm. goes, oh, he's yeah. going to come and stay here? Oh, no. What do I? What can I do so I don't have to see him? Yes, right. And this is like every movie set in a high school you've ever seen. <laughs> we all know this situation. Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and then he comes, and she manages to avoid him, but she, he does see her. And nobody knows that they were, uh, you know, engaged or anything. And so she's talking to one of the, the sisters of the Musgrove family, and, oh, well, what did he say? Anything? Oh, well, he said that he thought you weren't as pretty as you used to be. And <laughs> you were too thin. And all this. She's like, oh, uh, he definitely didn't want to see me. It's yes. a good thing I was gone. You know, she's, he's still mad. Oh, boy. And she, yeah. she's called it. He's still furious. But he's on the hunt for a wife. Yeah. So he's looking at Henrietta and Louisa, just hanging out with them. I mean, I make it sound like he's hunting, but <laughs> it's basically a big group of friends. And so mm. they're going around, you know, going to listen to music, playing the piano, whatever. And then they get up a plan one day to go see um, a town that's nearby. Mm. And um, yeah, 
Louisa is very headstrong and thinks she's adorable, I think, while she's being headstrong. <laughs> thinks and, she's uh, adorable. That's so good. No, she, she does. She, she's just being as cute as she can be. Oh, my gosh. flirting with Captain Wentworth. Yeah. I can just see her, can't you? Oh, I can oh. too, yeah. But he's yeah. like, no, no, don't jump from there. Wait, hold on. It's too oh, high. She's like, oh. And she jumps bump, and he yeah. misses the she jumps too early and then yeah. she just cracks her head open, oh, man. Oh, gosh. And it yeah. is bad news. She's down. We got a, a woman down. <laughs> a man down. <laughs> a man down. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then that's that's when everybody's looking to Anne. You know, what do we do, Anne? What do we do? Right, because even Captain yep. Wentworth even Wentworth's totally Wentworth freaked her. out. Yeah. And he, he's, yeah, he's yep. a Navy captain, <clears throat> but this is a different situation. This is a young lady. Yeah. And yeah. he's just stunned by the whole thing. He's very upset. Yeah, and I thought that was a very cool scene. And, uh, you know, he's asking Anne, you know, well, what do we do now? And then, um, you know, she says something and then he's like, okay, okay, okay. And then he like takes command <laughs> and he's like, okay, this is what we're doing. I'm going to carry her. We're going to the yeah. house, you know, but he, it's like he pulled himself together with her help and, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, carried, uh, Louisa to, to the house where they waited for the doctor to show up and all that. But um, it was just a cool dynamic, you know. Um, it was so different from every other relationship in the whole book, it seemed like. Um, yeah. Where suddenly, you know, it was like, what do you think, you know? And and Wentworth was showing her intense respect, you know. And, and well, I liked how Anne, I mean, her whole life was defined by this thing that happened seven years ago, you know. Yes. She, um, there's another line that I highlighted, you know, she had been forced into prudence in her youth. She learned romance as she grew older, the natural sequel of an unnatural beginning. Um, love that line. It's <laughs> so good, great. you know, but it's just like, you know, and now with Wentworth around, you know, everything's awkward. Everything's awkward. Cause she's clearly thinks, you know, she had made the wrong decision back then. Oh and, yeah, she uh, still loves him. Still loves him a lot, you know, and but doesn't know how he feels at all. But is, you know, always internally interpreting everything he's doing, you know, oh, he must not feel good about this, you know. But then mm-hmm. to have that moment, you know, where the, where he's like, what do you think? You know, that's that was that was pretty great. Well, well done, Jane I, Austen. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, and of course what what he gets to see now is he's been telling um she's been hearing through the sisters, or maybe through just overhearing him, when he's saying, the kind of woman I want is a woman who knows her <laughs> mind, makes a decision, and takes action. Yeah. And clearly this is a reaction to Anne, who allowed herself to be persuaded by Lady Russell to break the engagement off. Yes. And he's right. like, I don't want that kind of person anymore. I, right. you know, it's a really modern book in a lot of ways, mm. that way. And um, But what happens is, is when that emergency comes up and those qualities in Anne come out. She's not forcing anyone to do anything. She's not going, I know what to do. But when she's asked, she has an answer. It's a sensible answer. She's thinking things through. She's able to, uh, somebody else says, well, these people are right here. That's right. Let's go there instead. You know, so she's got real common sense. She does know how to think. She's just not a forceful personality. And so he can see new layers in her, new depth that he hadn't known was there and that might probably weren't there when she was 19. Mm. She's had to go through being put upon and all this stuff as uh, the books was talking about romance, but also to let some of her personality 
blossom in that way because she's having to use it to try to make the best decision in all these crappy situations she has taking care of these awful children or soothing her sister or her father, whatever it is she's doing, Mm. you know? Yeah. And it's the same way that he would have had his personality further develop from being a captain on a ship all those years. He's learned leadership and command. One of those timing things, right? Where you, Mm -hmm. you just meet somebody, but it's the wrong time. Yeah. Um, right. And then they, they both they both get to the re- the same spot, you know, simultaneously, right? So it's good. Yeah. And yeah. they might have been perfectly okay when they were younger, mm-hmm. for all we know. Yeah. Um, but because what you have in front of you also, as another example of both a good marriage and what they could have been, and Anne looks at this sometimes, is Admiral and is it Lady Croft or Mrs. Croft? Who both she's she went on all his voyages with him, right. except for maybe one, and that's the one she goes. That was the worst time. I worried and worried, but when I was with him, it didn't matter what was happening. We were doing it together. It was fantastic. Mm. And she Anne was like, I could have been doing that, <laughs> you know. So they kind of yes. became her model, and plus they were a really neat couple. Mm. Anyway, right, right, nice people and everything. Very good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, surrounded by examples. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and contrasts. People, mm-hmm. Right. They're not trying to persuade other people of anything. Just like Anne's not trying to persuade people because she's never had the power. Mm-hmm. But um, the one time we see Anne trying to persuade someone, now that I'm thinking about it, is to jump ahead. I don't know if you want to keep just yeah, going go right through ahead, the no. book. Yeah. Um, But if we jump ahead to when she's talking to, I think it's Captain Harville, and they're waiting for Captain Wentworth to finish writing a note or something. And so they're talking, and Captain Harville's talking about, I might have to find the place in the book, but he's talking about how um, men versus women... Okay, I think I might have that. Okay. Um, Is it men men have had every advantage of us in telling their own story? Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's on page 131 of my Kindle, but I can read that. Okay. Okay. Men have had every advantage of us in telling their own story. Education has been theirs in so much higher a degree. The pen has been in their hands. I will not allow books to prove anything. But how shall we prove anything? We never shall. We can never, or we never can expect to prove anything upon such a point. It is a difference of opinion which does not admit of proof. We each begin probably with a little bias towards our own sex, and upon that bias build every circumstance in favor of it which has occurred within our own circle, many of which circumstances, perhaps those very cases which strike us the most, may be precisely such as cannot be brought forward without betraying a confidence, or in some respect saying what should not have been said. So yeah, this is, um, I I highlighted that maybe for a different reason you did, but um, is that the passage you were looking for? Well, that's the one I was looking for, and then Captain Harville says, If I could but make you comprehend what a man Mm. suffers when he takes a last look at his wife and children and watches the boat that he has sent them off in as long as it is in sight, and then turns away and says, 
God knows whether we ever meet again. And then if I could convey to you the glow of his soul when he does see them again, when coming back after a 12 months absence, perhaps, and obliged to put into another port, he calculates how soon it'd be possible to get them there, pretending to deceive himself and saying, they cannot be here till, till a day, but all the while hoping for them 12 hours sooner, and seeing them arrive at last as if heaven had given them wings, by many hours sooner still. If I could explain to you all this and all that a man can bear and do and glories to do for the sake of these treasures in his existence, I speak, you know, only of such men mm. as have hearts, pressing his own with emotion. And Anne says, I, I hope I do justice to all that is felt by you and by those who resemble you. God forbid that I should undervalue the warm and faithful feelings of any of my fellow creatures. And... Um, I should deserve utter contempt if I dared to suppose that true attachment and constancy were known only by woman. No, I believe you capable of everything great and good in your married lives. I believe you equal to every important exertion and to every domestic forbearance, so long as, if I may be allowed the expression, so long as you have an object. I mean that while the woman you love lives and lives for you, all the privilege I claim for my own sex, it is not a very enviable one. You need not covet it is that of loving longest mm. when existence nice. or when hope is mm. gone. And that's when Captain Harville says, you know what? Mm -hmm. We can't argue about this. We both have really good points. And so, because what they're talking about is Captain Benwick, who had been in love with Captain Harville's sister, and the sister, that woman had died before Captain Benville could marry her, I believe. And he was heartbroken and then he's hanging around the whole time that they're nursing mm. Louisa, and turns out he's going to marry Louisa. And Anne's like, what? Mm. He didn't love her. A woman wouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, just like a man. Mm. He's not even, she's not even like him. Although it does sound like she's moderated her behavior either to mirror his <laughs> or because that crack on the head did oh, something. Man, I'm yes. not sure which. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But she's not so so flighty and headstrong and, you know, she's a lot calmer and everything. And I was like, oh, I could totally see this, though. And mm -hmm. But see, so this is the argument they're having. Who's the most, most faithful? And this is what um, – so she is putting forth her powers of persuasion, saying, I understand what you're saying, but listen, I still have to make this point. And it's when um, when they're doing this is when Captain Wentworth is like, oh, I just quick have to write a couple more lines. And he's listening, but he's writing at the same time. And it turns out he's writing a letter. Oh, yeah. It's oh, oh, so wonderful. <laughs> ah, the romance. But anyway, but it's because he hears this and he it's the last kind of like puzzle piece to fall in place mm. about I didn't know her. I already was, and we know yeah, he already yeah. was attracted to her again and in love with her again. But this is yeah, the thing that so really too. kind of fanned the yeah. flame, I think. And so we see all through this book so many people persuading, trying to persuade each other. By example and by word. Right. Yeah. And so one of the things the book is kind of putting forth is, how can we tell if persuasion is helpful or if it's wrong? We have to be able to judge the person who's using mm -hmm. the persuasion Indeed. and why. 
I mean, because Mr. Elliot, and I, I mentioned this before, and I'm I'm sorry I didn't think about no just going through the book because that's such a good way, and I've jumped ahead again. But Mr. Elliot is um, he's mm-hmm. saying and doing everything just right, except it doesn't feel genuine to Anne. She can't put her finger on it, except that he kind of will. She's watched him flip sides a little too easily, depending on who he's talking to about something. So thinking about how do you evaluate if persuasion is good or bad advice, essentially. And Mr. Elliot was the one who was just not right. There was something, something not clicking. Yes. And that's what Wentworth, of course, sees. And that's why we're, as you're saying, you, you wanted it to turn out. You, we know they should get together. And, um, and so, because then, of course, you find, you hear Mrs. Smith's story. Yes. Her school, old school friend. And Mrs. Smith is the one person where I was so furious with her. Yeah, she was she actually was not just going confirming to to what she thought Anne wanted. And then once she realized what Anne wanted, mm-hmm. she said, oh, well, I've got a story to tell you then. <laughs> so, I mean, what are you doing that for? Why not be truthful? Um, right. But, yeah. Yeah. She right. gave a reason, but it seemed lame to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to get in your way oh. if that's it. And I'm like, Mr. Elliot cheated you and your husband out of all the savings, took all your money, lived off you. Your husband died still believing in him. You're in abject poverty. I What? And, and sick and everything. Unbelievable. And you're not yeah. going to tell her what he did? You're going to let her <laughs> put herself in the same danger, oh, wow. essentially? Yep. Come on. Wild. Yep. That was rough. So yeah, I was I was upset with her too. But I was glad that she got the truth out there. And then that allowed Anne to go ahead and say, now she's confident. Now she knows what's wrong with Mr. Elliot and that he's not mm-hmm. worthy. So she can close that door. Although she, she knew yeah. she was going to close the door anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah, that's right. why Mrs. Smith was like, oh, now I can tell you. Yeah. I don't want to cloud your judgment. I know because sometimes you don't want to be the pushy person who's like, uh, did you know this? But sometimes you have to speak up. Yeah, you can't let something like that go unsaid. Yeah. I do want to say, while we're on the subject of Mrs. Smith, I did love the example that Jane Austen made of her as the right way mm-hmm. to live through adversity because she had all these things go wrong. And she said, you know, at one mm. point, she just almost couldn't handle life anymore. And luckily, some, some good people came along and nursed her and kind of helped her get over that depression. But um, wow, it's talking mm. about Anne, Anne was watching yeah. Mrs. Smith, and she really liked her a lot as a school friend. And she'd gotten to know her again as an adult. And she goes, she kept watching her. And it said she couldn't imagine a more cheerless situation. So Mrs. Smith had loved her husband and buried him. She had been used to money, and there was none. She had no child to connect her with life and happiness, again, as it says. There's no relations to help her. (laughs) And she's sick. And so she's got a dark bedroom and a noisy parlor. There's no possibility of moving from one room to the other without someone to help her, and there's only one servant in the house. And so she almost can't um, ever get her... You get the feeling. It says she never left the house but to be conveyed into the warm bath <laughs> yep. because they're in bath where you go to the baths. Um, 
And it says, yet in spite of all this, Anne had reason to believe that she had moments only of languor and depression to hours of occupation and enjoyment. How could it be? She watched, observed, reflected, and finally determined that this was not a case of fortitude or of resignation only. A submissive spirit might be patient, a strong understanding would supply resolution, but here was something more. Here was that elasticity of mind, that disposition to be comforted, that power of turning readily from evil to good, and of finding employment which carried her out of herself, which was from nature alone. It was the choicest gift of heaven, and Anne viewed her friend as one of those instances in which, by a merciful appointment, it seemed designed Mm. to counterbalance almost every other want. And I just thought, you know, those are the things where, mm. could I be like that? Yeah. I mean, everything and was contrast her with Mary. this woman. Yeah, it was like two opposite ends of a Oh my gosh, long you're line. right. <laughs> yep. Has everything. Well, and it makes me think of, um, I think it was John Paul II, who at one point did a lot of talking about the elderly and the ill. And he said, you know, you're hurting, you can't do as much, you you remember a better life or whatever. He goes, mm-hmm. but you have a purpose in the church too. Mm-hmm. And your purpose is to pray. And of course, Mrs. Smith, they don't talk about that, but it does talk about right. a disposition from heaven, essentially. And she's applying all her skills to not letting it get her down to having a good life, as good a life as she can be to being a fully realized person as she can be under those circumstances. Yeah. And all these couples, all these couples, you know, all these examples, mm-hmm. um, kind of revolving around Anne and Wentworth. Very cool. Yep. Love it. Yep. And then of yes. course the scene where yeah. Frederick finally, says the words you know (laughs) but Mm -hmm. he writes it down he writes it down and it was really good yeah that was really cool writes the letter right in front of her you know she's she's just sitting in a chair i know because you don't expect it at all oh i gotta write this letter really quick yeah i loved it i I thought that was really good so good folded the letter up in great haste this is for you i have to go (laughs) (laughs) puts a seal on it and then he he walks out and walks back in and says here you go yeah so good. It was really great. Yeah, it, it was, was great. really wonderful. There's something else that we haven't talked about, and this is also reflected in all these people and doubled, and um, kind of re- it's reflected in Anne and Captain Wentworth too, which is so. There's it's it starts with the father not having enough money and having to leave and rent the house, and the people who come in and rent it are the admiral and Mrs. or Lady Croft, and. Um, so he's the aristocracy, and they are new power. Because he's, he's made his riches from, from the Navy, is that what you right. mean? Right, and he is more of a gentleman than the father is. So it's a shift in power and um, distribution of power yeah. and how it's being used. Interesting. And so that's mm-hmm. a change that everybody's going through also, because if you think about most of the people that are uh, we're interested in, in terms of like examples, or like Captain, um, let's see, Benwick, 
who starts spurs the conversation between Captain Harwell Harville, sorry, and um, there's Captain Wentworth. There's all their friends are all military because mm. they just got done with the war, yeah, right. right? Yeah. So now they're going to come back, and it's hopefully going to be peacetime. Mm-hmm. They're going to become the people who are making the money. They're the energetic people, and this is the change that Jane Austen was seeing. You know. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So um, I don't fully understand all of it, but I think that in a in an English family like that, you know, the eldest son would be the inheritor of the, mm-hmm. the estate, right? So if yeah. there was a second son, his path would probably be military, or that that's where. The, is that where officers in the in the navy would come from, or could a person start as a as a sailor and then climb the ranks to a to an officer? I, I think you could climb the ranks, but and I, I have a very imperfect understanding of this. So mm-hmm. my understanding comes more from Georgia Hare's books. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> watching the second sons go off and be, have commissions bought for them in the army, mm-hmm. so they would go in as officers. And then they would come out and um, have their living made for them. But they would still be noble, see? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not so it's what you're saying is not all the captains would necessarily be noble. And, you know, Jane Austen had a brother, I think Frederick, who was a captain in the Navy. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Did really well, came back. Um, and so she's seeing a lot of these people in her own life as, as kind of, uh, you know, the aristocracy isn't gone. Yeah. But it doesn't have the complete power that it used to if all these people can kind of move in and start renting these houses and buying pieces of property and doing mm. whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's an interesting thing to me that, you know, a a captain of a of a naval vessel is, is getting rich, you know, because of what they're doing. And uh, mm-hmm. that was pretty pretty interesting. I didn't know that. Oh, taking prizes and so forth. Yeah, exactly. Yes, you capture a ship, you yeah. get so much money for it. If you ever read any of the Master and Commander books, uh-huh. that's very important to the whole crew and to Jack, Captain Jack, mm-hmm. Lucky Jack, yeah. and uh, because that's that's what they're making all their money off of. And in fact, now that I think about it, he's an example of that. He's bought some land out in the country. Not not huge amounts, but um, and he's, his family and his wife are out there, and oh, very cool. You know. Yeah. So yeah. So this book was and written, yeah, eighteen eighteen. Okay. Okay. Um, the reason why I mention it is because there's a book out right now that has come to my attention. is called The Wager. Um, mm-hmm. Subtitle: A Tale of Shipwreck, Mutiny, and Murder, um, which is a nonfiction book by David Gran, G R A N N. Um, but just the very first of the synopsis, January 28, 1742, a ramshackle vessel of patched together wood and cloth washed up on the coast of Brazil. Inside were 30 emaciated men, barely alive. And, and they had an extraordinary tale to tell to tell. So it's a true story. Um, but yeah, this is right, right from the same, it was about 60 years earlier, 70 years earlier. But, uh, but yeah, just very interesting. Cause I know that the, the they said in the wager it was actually on its way to the to a war with Spain I think um, but anyway I don't may not have all the details but but just interesting that that's kind of all tying together and it's in my my circle of view I guess <laughs> kind of floating in at the same time.
I felt as if these were these were people who'd been fighting in the Napoleonic Wars. Mm. Which, of course, is also Master and Commander. Yes. Continually right. fighting the French all over the place. Huh. And um, so what you've had is a really long period of intense war, but eventually that ends. Yeah. And, of course, you can't tell if another conflict's coming up because the book kind of ends like that going, well, they were happy for now. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Because she's married a, a Navy man and... We don't know what that means. If, you know, will he have to go to war again or not? Mm. But who cares at that point? You could die of some disease. Yeah. To me. Right, Better right. to just go ahead and, mm-hmm. you know, obviously marry the person you want. <laughs> right, right. Yep. And I did, I did like, I mean, some other part of the Navy thing. Somebody asked him, well, you know, you must eat atrociously on there, on that boat. And he's like, yeah. no, we eat really well, actually, if we have a good cook. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's like, yep, just bringing it along. It's good stuff. Well, that's the other thing, they, the master and commander stuff. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, they, they had cows and mm-hmm. chickens to give eggs and pigs. And Very <laughs> I cool. I remember reading that stuff going, yeah. that never occurred to me. But <laughs> of course. That's awesome. I have a How lot, a lot to learn about that. That's fun. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted yeah, to so mention, oops, little, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no I just ahead. wanted to mention um, some audio. But if you have oh. something else to do, go for it. Well, I was going to mention a reference book. So you go ahead with okay. your audio, then I'll do okay. my reference book. Yeah, I book. just wanted to mention, um, I listened to part of this. Um, it's Persuasion and the Narrator. It was actually, you pointed me to it, uh, Juliet mm-hmm. Stevenson. Um, it's on Audible, and I can't remember. I think it's Naxos. Absolutely mm-hmm. awesome. I mean, she was, she she was the amazing? very best. Yeah, the very best. Oh, she has done all of Jane Austen, I believe. Oh, good. And she may have done Middlemarch, mm. and I, I can't remember, but she's superb. Oh, that's great. She just brings it to life. Yeah. And then I also I'm so glad you to, liked Yeah, it. I also listened to, they have an audible original drama called Persuasion, mm. which is about, I don't know, six hours long. But it's basically okay. the book. Um, it's five hours long, five and a half hours long. So I listened to it as well. Um, oh. not kind of not, not at the same time. It was after, um, okay. because I was like, yeah, this would be like watching a movie, a movie version of it. Mm-hmm. But what it is, is it's the book. Um, it's narrated by Florence Pugh, who is quite oh. awesome as well. She's good. Yeah. yeah. And then, but all the dialogue is acted. So she'll, she'll read the text and the text is not a hundred percent there. Um, right. th- there is some abridgment, but, um, she'll read the text and then the scenes where there's conversation are pretty much word for word and acted. Okay. There, there's some things that are added to make sure that we know who's talking to whom, you know, yes. so they may say Mary. Oh, Bill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it is, uh, it's first rate. Uh, the acting is great. Florence Pugh, of course, is great. So I can highly recommend it for those who like that kind of thing. I thought it was really, mm-hmm. really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It might seem more dynamic, I guess. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know, kind of a movie. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that if I, I was going to watch a movie version of it, but I guess the one that uh, has come out lately was not very well reviewed. Um, oh. I can't remember who was in it, but I read a lot of negative things about it. Mm-hmm. 200, 2022 American romantic period drama film based on hers. Let's see, who's in that? Dakota Jackson? Dakota Johnson, mm. I'm sorry. Um, um, Netflix, it looks like. 
Um, yeah. But it's got, it's like 5.8 out of 10. Ooh. 31% Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. What could they have done to it? <laughs> made it modern. Oh, very possible. Made her more, oh, I've heard the reviews. Mm-hmm. I remember they made her more of a modern woman. Ah. Uh, well, you can't. That's well. That's what Elizabeth Bennet point. was. Is that what they're trying to yeah. do? You know, trying to make her like Elizabeth well, Bennet. Who wants to watch something about a shy retiring woman? Yeah, good heavens. We exist. I mean, okay, yeah. I'm not one of them now, but I used to be. Oh, People man. exist who are shy. They yeah. they have to have a right to to that's stuff right. for sure. For sure. All of them want Emma. That's it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I was gonna say. The book I can recommend is called A Jane Austen Education, Uh How Six Novels Taught Me About Love, Friendship, and the Things That Really Matter, Mm. by William, I'm going to try to say this, okay, Deresivitz, D-E-R-E-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z. Very good. And I came across this book, gosh, some time ago, and thought, well, okay, and I started reading it, and it's really engaging. Oh, cool. And it's not following necessarily critical – it's not doing, what is it, literary criticism. He's really telling how he came across these different books at different times in his life, and what he found in those books helped him change how he thought and lived and acted Very cool. to become a mature adult man. What a cool of, idea that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great book, easy to read. And I had only read Pride and Prejudice several times the way everybody in America has done. <laughs> also Northanger Abbey because it's sending up gothic ghost stories. So that's just fun. But it starts off with Emma. Cool. Because he mm-hmm. got stuck in a class that by accident kind of, he didn't really, or he was reading Emma in some literature class and went, this is the most freaking boring book I've ever read in my whole life. But as he goes through it, he's suddenly going, wait, hold on, I've got an insight here. Yeah. And so it's pretty good at talking about the book, and it's really good at talking about how these things make you relate in your own life, and um, not necessarily predictable, because he doesn't have the life and problems that I've had, but really good. And because of that, because when he talks about the book, he doesn't say, well, now spoilers. He just talks about the book. Mm-hmm. I realized early on if I wanted to read it and then read the books, I was going to have to say, oh, you're going to talk about Emma? I better read Emma. Then I'll read your chapter. Wow. Well, that's and cool. That's, that's, that's a great idea me, yeah, that's yeah. The, yeah, got me through all the books. And, uh, well, actually, I say got me through them, but actually it was just kind of the springboard because when I started reading them, I went, these are all amazing. No wonder all six are still sold all the time. Mm-hmm. And because I went through this cha- that chapter uh, for persuasion after I'd read the book, I went, oh, yeah. Because what he was talking about was how many friends they develop as a group in this book. And he goes, it starts off and... Anne doesn't have any friends. She's looking at those sisters going, gosh, I wish my sisters could be my friends. The closest she has to a friend, really, I guess, is Lady Russell. Mm, yeah. And Lady Russell is not old, is too old to be a friend, really. I mean, she's a friend, but not the way she wants. And so when you think of them, when they go to that town where Louisa gets hurt, there's all these people. That's when she's going, oh, if I'd have married him, I would have had all these people for friends, yeah, too. Right, right. You know, and Mm -hmm. she's the one who, when she goes to bath, then she, I guess I should have brought all this up before, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, when she goes to bath, 
she goes and sees her old friend, Mrs. Smith, and cultivates her friendship again. And she's also free to see, you know, Captain Harville and anybody who's coming to town. But she's going to cultivate that friendship. Hmm. She's realizing how important it is. So, yeah, very good. Um, and he, that's what he's talking about in his life, where he's like, you know, groups of friends shift. How do you get your permanent friends? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Love it. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thumbs way up. Another oh, winner. <laughs> oh, Jane, you did it Jane, again. Jane, Jane, Jane. Yep, love it. Yes. That's great. So thank you. Yeah. Oh, well, you're very welcome. Yeah, another book. I never would have read it, um, but I thought it was great. Oh, yeah. yeah. I enjoyed rereading it. Mm-hmm. Well, so that's good. I've only read it, maybe I've just read it once. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I love it. All right. Well, uh, next up, we're back to India, I think. This looks Indian <laughs> to me. Oh, boy. It's South Indian. South Indian. Okay. And I need to check because at the time I picked it, it was on Amazon Prime. Okay. And now it's not. Oh, dear. Okay. I think uh, I think I know a place where we can find it. And if not, I'll have to just pick a different movie okay. with a, my favorite Malayalam actor, Fayed Fasil. I can do that. <laughs> Very nice. You've got you've got some in the chamber you can just draw on. <laughs> I do. It's crazy that I have a favorite Malayalam actor. I think I've said that before, but everybody who sees him is like, is this guy in it? I'm oh, watching it. That's too funny. Yeah. That's too funny. Exactly. So oh, cool. um I'll check. Uh, I so think- yeah, those this one is called Mahashinte Prathikaram. Whoa, that was what a great attempt. I have no idea. So I love it. I love it. Uh, and it's the translation is uh, Mahesh's, is it Mahesh's Revenge? Ah, okay. I think. Yeah. And it's basically about a guy who, it's, this is the simplest explanation and it's the funniest one. So it's a comedy, a romantic comedy, but it's about a man who gets insulted by some local thugs and he says, I am not going to wear shoes again until I have taught him a lesson. <laughs> okay. And he doesn't. <laughs> and he doesn't. All right. And it matters. I mean, you know, uh-huh. shoes matter. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Very so, nice. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, so I'm hoping uh, we'll be able to find it. And, okay. Um, I, I'll, start, I'll look around tomorrow and, and send you a link if so. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. All okay. right. Well, wonderful. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yes. I hope everybody enjoyed persuasion. Yes. And being persuaded. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Did Uh, we persuade you to like it? I think we did. That's fun. Oh, good. All right. All right. We'll take care, everyone. Yes. We'll talk to you again soon. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye.